Thursday morning, Peter Baugh is in St. Louis joining us. Peter Baugh, the athletic that is. I'm Eric Dean of Mile High Sports. I'm here at the Mile High Sports Studios. It's been a whirlwind of the last 12 hours, and we're here to chat about Game 5 and the overtime loss to the St. Louis Blues. Peter, how's it going, and how early was that flight today? <laughs> the flight was at, I think, 7.40, and I just decided I was I, – I really can't stand DIA, the Denver airport. Yeah. And so I decided after the game last night, I was like, I'm just going to accept that the next the next morning will be miserable, but I'll get the flight out of the way and then I'll feel better about the world in the afternoon. So I was, it was indeed miserable. I was not thrilled at like 5 a.m. when my alarm went off, but I was, uh, now that I am kind of settled in St. Louis, I feel a little better. So yes. that is, that was my, my decision making process. Yeah. So just to kind of catch everybody up, I did send that tweet out last night that there won't be a post game pod. And, and that was why it was, you know, 10, 11 PM when that game ended, I don't know the exact time right around then. And, uh, I go down to the press conference room and Peter boss booking a flight seven thirty in the morning <laughs> or whatever it was. So I'm like, all right, we're going to wait. We're going to wait it out for a day and just get this going the next morning. So Shout out to you for making that work, and thanks for jumping on this early in the morning. But we're here to talk about something, and it's the fact that the Avalanche had a 3 to nothing lead and then a 4-3 to lead with 2 minutes and 46 seconds left. And now we're talking about you being in St. Louis because Robert Thomas tied it with 54 or 56 seconds left. Tyler Bozak scored on their second shot in overtime. We've got a game six in St. Louis. Let's break it down, Peter. Where do you want to start? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it was a... It was quite a game. It's the playoff hockey is at its finest. Um, a big comeback. The stars showed out. I mean, Mason McKinnon. I think if if there's one thing that um, should be encouraging for Avalanche fans, it's that Nathan McKinnon looks like like the like I don't know ultimate version of Nathan mm-hmm. McKinnon, or at least he did in in Game Five. And I think what what the next two games will come down to. What next one or two games is if the Avalanche are playing their game because let's let's face it this is a team that if you look at scoring chances if you look at expected goals if you looked at I think probably the total number of goals scored this series like the Avalanche have the better team and the better roster and if they play the way that they're capable of they will win this series um, and so that's what the next two games in my mind. Uh, will come down to if they can get back to that level because we saw that for the first part of game five and they looked dominant and then they kind of took their foot off the gas and and I don't say that in an I don't think it was an effort I think it was a they got on their heels like Nathan McKinnon talked about like how they wanted it so badly that they kind of maybe didn't want to make a mistake and screw things up and you kind of when you get into that frame of mind it, it can have bad results which we saw. And again, the beauty of sports is, once again, this is not an EA Sports video game. Just because Nathan McKinnon's a 99 overall doesn't mean he's going to beat the other guys. There's a mental aspect to this. There's the real-life aspect to this that plays a part. And we saw that last night. I mean, when the Avalanche took that 3 to nothing lead, it was, I believe, the Gabe Landeskog goal, tipping in that Devontae shot. Four minutes into the second period, the Avs had outshot the Blues 18-9 to in the first. And then you come into the second when Landeskog scored that goal, the Avalanche had 22 shots. They ended the second period with 24. So in the last 16 minutes, they had two shots, and then they had five in the third period. So they had seven shots after taking that 3 to nothing lead. And that should tell you all you need wow. to know because 
three to nothing lead came 24 minutes into the game on their 22nd shot. It had 36 minutes and they had seven shots the rest of regulation. So that in itself kind of explains, you know, it, it, it sort of justifies what you're explaining here. And then they come out in overtime, and like Jared said, they actually played pretty good in overtime. They outshot the Blues 5-2. There was a couple chances there, a couple of scrambles there in the in, in the crease in front of Vili Husso, and the Blues were blocking shots. The Avalanche were searching and, and, and digging for rebounds, and lo and behold, the Blues go down. They get their first shot. Well, their second shot from Tyler Bozak, there was a lot of screening in front of the net, and they win the game. So it looked like the Avalanche kind of had a little bit of time of – they they had a little phase of trying too hard to just hold that lead and and they ended up squandering it away and the crazy part is in those seven shots they still got that goal from Nathan McKinnon which I'm sure we'll talk about a lot but uh, it just seemed like they I don't want to say they were in over their heads but they kind of it, it it hit them pretty hard that like holy crap we have a three to nothing lead in game five at home we're leading the series three to one we can actually win this thing and head to the final four. And then it all kind of broke down from there. And, you know, that's that's only the avalanche side of things. That doesn't even take into account that the St. Louis Blues have a ton of guys with Stanley Cup rings that just would not bend over and, 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 and you know, call it quits and put their face into their lap and just say we're done. So, yeah, I think that's, that. a, that's a big thing. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But that's know, that's a it. big thing with this is this is a Blues team that you saw it like. It's a lot of guys who have won the Stanley Cup and who know what it takes in these moments and who aren't going to, even when their backs are against the wall, they're not going to quit. And you saw that even with, like, it's not only the guys who are on the Blues 2019 team, it's also guys like Brandon Saad, who has two Stanley Cups, and um, Nick Letty, who has a Stanley Cup with Chicago. Like, it's, these are really good, experienced players who aren't going to back down. And the Avs definitely looked like the team that, didn't know how to close out a game last night, which is something that they've got to learn from, or this is not going to be a deep playoff run. Here's, I mean, I think one thing I've thought about um, a lot is that, like, we've talked about, like, the abs at some point were going to get punched in the mouth and how they responded would dictate their season. Here it is. This is I don't, it. Yeah, this is it. I don't consider a loss in game two where you just kind of, like, that was just a loss. That's not getting punched in the mouth. This is getting punched in the mouth. This is like, you had this game, and now you've got to go find a way to get back on the horse, um, reset, and win one of the next two hockey games. And if you can't do that, then you weren't a Stanley Cup team. 100%. Let me go back to what you just said about the St. Louis Blues having a bunch of Stanley Cup winners on their team and, you know, being able to kind of face adversity and, and, and come back and win this game in the final 28 minutes and 40 seconds of game time. So that's the regulation plus the 338 overtime. St. Louis outscored the Avalanche 5-1. to one. We know the goal the Avalanche scored. Here's the five goal scorers from the Blues. Vladimir Tarasenko, Robert Thomas, Jordan Cairo, Robert Thomas, Tyler Bozak. What do they all have in common? Uh, wait, Thomas, Tarasenko, Cairo, Bozak. Um, a lot of them have T's in their names, except for <laughs> Cairo. They all won the cup. They all well, won. Cairo, Cairo wasn't really. Oh. He well, he he was hurt during the cup run. Yeah, but I mean, like he was on the roster in 2019. Is what I'm saying. Like he was, yeah, he was true. there. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know, I, I I understand that. But he he played games in 2019. He was on that team. I'm pretty sure he has his name on the cup. I know he didn't play a lot of playoff games. He did not. He, I don't think he got his name on the cup, but he was. Oh, around they didn't put him. Okay, because I believe he played sixteen or twenty regular season games that year. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think you need like forty. Gotcha. Yeah, unless the team vouches for you. But more of the story, 
all those guys were on that team back then. All those guys were on a team that, you know, were on or around a team that started the season, had to fire their coach, were last place in January, came back and won the Stanley Cup and beat the Boston Bruins in seven games. So all those guys have what it takes. And then obviously they're led by Ryan O'Reilly. They got Brandon Saad, who's won a couple of cups elsewhere. Jordan Binnington obviously is injured. So they had Vili Huso, who made quite a few, you know, good saves at the end that were necessary uh, to keep the Blues hopes alive. But the biggest thing that I noticed from this game and the way that it ended is, so from the hockey standpoint, I don't think the Avalanche have much to worry about. Obviously, there is the worry of the the mental side of it, the mental aspect. Nathan McKinnon came out yesterday and he was asked about his performance and he said, I don't care. It doesn't matter. I was happier after game four. Um, and, you know, like any team player, he he doesn't care if he scored a hat trick and add an assist and had a four-point night. He doesn't care that he's got eight goals now in, in uh I want to say nine, yeah, nine playoff games. All he cares about is getting that victory, winning games in the playoffs, because that's all that matters. There's no overtime loss. There's no, uh, there's no victories to take away from a loss. But so that part of it's going to be tough for the Avalanche to bounce back from. That's the part that you're saying they've they've been punched in the mouth and they're going to have to rebound. But the on ice game, their goals came from McKinnon, 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 and Landeskog. Uh, Kale McCarr finally got an assist again. Uh, Miko Rantanen was playing pretty well, almost scored a couple times, had an assist. Devon Taves, obviously that point shot, even though I know Devon Taves and Kale McCarr did not have their best defensive game. They looked human for once. Bowen Byram, another two assists. Everything about the Avalanche's top guys showed up. And I think that's a big deal because they were winning games on the backs of their depth. Nazem Kadri, Lekanen, Nichushkin, Comfer, and, and you know, all these other guys, you know, that were pitching in slowly. A lot of the defensemen have been scoring goals. And now they come out and they get a hat trick from Nathan McKinnon. His first three goals of the series, his first three goals after having a goal in every single game against the National Predators, I believe. So it was it was nice to see those guys bounce back. And if you're the Avalanche, you're going into this next game. All you need is to not sort of get on your heels and, and you can win this thing. And, and the reality is, yes, they are on the road, but the road team has won the last four games of the series. The Blues won in game two, Avalanche three and four, the Blues in game five, obviously all, all as, as the road team, and the Avs have yet to lose on the road. So from a hockey standpoint, I understand the idea of going back on the road and uh, you know having the chance to lose that game, and suddenly you have a game seven that you were not really planning for, but I don't think that the Avalanche could should should get to that point, I should say. Not could, but should, because I think they could win this if they just kind of find a way to put this game behind them and really move on. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think that, I mean, there is the world in, in which like they play well and Huso has a big game or something and they catch a few bad bounces and lose game six. But if they play the way they can, they should be able to win one on the next two. 100%. And I mean, if you're the Avalanche, you don't even want to think about the next two. You want to just win one. I mean, they put up five goals on Ville Huso in, in game four. They put up another four on him today. And then uh, game three, it's hard to really say how many they let in on him because, you know, one of them was not really on him. It was kind of him skating back to the net. But you get the point. Yeah, they, they and I kind of I I throw out – that's a tough situation for Huso to come in in game three. For sure. I kind of like – I kind of almost dismiss that. Yeah. Um, so but, if, if, you don't yeah. Count, if you don't count that Landis Cog goal where they just had a poor timing uh, goalie pull and just couldn't keep the control of the puck – he surrendered three goals in that game, but obviously he came in in a very uh, unexpected way. But in his full two games, he let in five goals and he let in four goals. Granted, at the other side, 
Darcy Kemper let in three and then five. So it's not like he's playing that much better than Billy Huso. But the Avalanche do have the stronger weapons right now. The biggest thing is uh, the guy sitting next to me in the press box, Ryan Bolding, did mention when this game was still 0-0, that is, that you don't want to let the Blues' as top guys catch fire because as much as yep. the Avalanche's guys have been quiet, so have the Blues' guys. Well, the one name that he mentioned right off the bat was Vladimir Tarasenko, and I remember joking with him when it was 3 to nothing Colorado and Tarasenko scored that goal. I was like, oh, well, looks like Tarasenko caught fire. The Avalanche just lost. Ha, ha, ha. Lo and behold, Robert Thomas scores his first two goals of the playoffs after not having a goal in his first 10 games. Jordan Cairo gets one, and uh, it's it's the stars that led the way for the Blues. They caught fire as well. So it looks like both teams, if you're the Blues, you're going into game six. You're you're feeling damn good about yourself. I know the Avs beat you there twice, but how could you not feel good at your, about yourself after that loss or after that victory? And if you're the Avalanche, coming after a loss like that where you you know what you did and, and you know what you need to fix in order to win. You, you're probably feeling pretty good about it too. So it's going to be a fascinating game six. It's it's hard to really predict which way it goes, but it is going to be some good hockey. Obviously, um, just a little update. Uh, Craig Berube just uh, announced, I mean, it was kind of expected that Tory Krug wouldn't be re- won't be returning for game six or if necessary, a game seven. So the Avalanche kind of catch a break there, but they haven't had Tory Krug all series and it's a three to two series. So, Things are a lot tighter than we thought after that three to nothing lead. Yeah, I mean, and I think Tarasenko is less important than Robert Thomas getting going. That guy is yeah. electric. He he can skate and pass so well, and if he's on his game, like that's a damn good player. And the Avs are going to have have to contend with that. So they they might have let him get back into the series, which which could come back to bite them. But but yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you that uh, they might just need to like have that their guys are going to need to show up. And if they do, then they'll be fine. If they don't, then things could get dicey and this could go down as uh, a series of two collapses, one to one collapse in game five and one collapse of the series in general. So I think game six is a big one. I mean, well, that's a hot take right there. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm excited to see how it, how it pans out. And it should be a fun one. Yeah. I mean, it truly is. When players give us the cliche answer of you take it one game at a time, like that genuinely is how this sport works or how sports work in general. Because if you're the Blues and after game five or after game four, you're sitting there thinking we have to beat the best team in the NHL. Well, I mean, the Panthers are eliminated. The Avalanche best team for the regular season and arguably the best team in the NHL regardless. We got to beat them three straight times. Well, you go into Denver, you steal game five. You suddenly beat them once. You don't care about the fact that you got to beat them three straight times. You beat them once. Well, now you're at home. You're feeling good. Your fans are probably going to welcome you with some electricity. Uh, You might feel good if you win that game. Suddenly you're in game seven. It's winner take all. It's no longer we have to win three straight. It's it's one night. It's one game. We win. We win. We lose. We're out. And that's how quick it can change. I mean, Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. Somewhere around 7 or 8 p.m. Mountain Time on Wednesday, the Avalanche are feeling pretty damn good. Somewhere around, oh, I don't know, 8.45-ish Mountain Time when Nathan McKinnon scored that goal, the Avalanche were still feeling good. And then by Sunday, they could actually be eliminated. Like, it, it switches that fast. But going into that game itself, um, a lot of the stars showed up. Nathan McKinnon, obviously, just an absolute, like, just a, just a perfect game. Just about a perfect game from, from the, the Avalanche's top player. Uh, he was not only obviously scoring with the hat trick and the assist, but his forecheck, that relentless forecheck there in the first period. Mm. I mean, 
You want to get Nathan McKinnon a four check, stick him on a line with Val and mini Val and watch him go like crazy because there was one shift where he was on the line with 13 and 62. And I'm like, well, there you go. It rubs off on him. But he had a good game. Landeskog had a good game. But you look at Rantanen was pretty good. You look at some of the other guys. Nazem Kadri didn't have the best night, and Val Nichushkin didn't have that good of a night either. And then, obviously, Taves and Makar, like I mentioned earlier, they looked human. Um, what kind of bounce back do you think those guys are going to have in the, next ga- in the next game? Yeah, I think they need more from, from Taves and Makar. I think that's been a big a big thing for them in a lot of ways this series. I mean, you look at Kale didn't have his best games in games one or two. Looked a lot better in St. Louis. Caves has had he had an uncharacteristic turnover, I think, in maybe Game Three that led to a Blues goal. Um, so it's yeah, it's definitely been kind of a weird series for those guys. I feel like, but um, they're going to need to they're going to need to respond. Uh, the thing is, is the Avs aren't going to like you're not going to get anywhere if your top players aren't taking taking you there. And Caves and McCarr, the Avs' two best defensemen, and they're going to need to step up and be the team's two best defensemen, and frankly, they should be the two best defensemen on the ice. Um, In any no series. offense to Justin Falk, who yeah. is a really good player. Wow. They I, play Tampa. Like, I know, I know. I mean, like, yeah, I, I was going to uh, <laughs> Yeah, uh, but so I think that uh, the, like, um, yeah, you need those guys to step up. I think Kadri, yeah, he didn't have his best night. Um, Nico, I think, could really benefit from I kind of I thought he was going to score yesterday. I thought that the empty netter was going to like kind of I don't know just provide the little like the goose eggs off the score sheet and whatever. But he I thought he he had some really good moments in the game even despite that. Um, Kadri maybe maybe the Avs fans need to boo him just every time because he <laughs> played so well in St. Yeah. Louis when he was getting booed relentlessly. Um, like I think in the like he started getting booed after the Bennington play, every time he touched the puck. And since then, he's been in St. Louis. He scored, I think, like four goals and had another two assists. So, um, yeah. It's, he, is, he, he, is, he is the hockey version of what wrestling, professional wrestling calls a heel. He feeds off of the negative energy of a crowd, uh, and he does damn well at it. I'm not going to sit here and say he doesn't feed off of the positive energy. I know it was one game, but... It was so fascinating to see not only, you know, all the stand with Nas signs that we expected to see at the beginning of the game, um, but the fact that somewhere in the middle of the game, there's a commercial break and the fans are just chanting, are chanting Kadri's name louder than I've ever heard anybody chant anybody's name, maybe outside of a Gru chant when Grubauer used to make a save uh, or a Varley, Varley chant back in his day when he would make a save, but... That was fascinating, but obviously, yeah, again, Kadri didn't have his best night, but I, I don't think that really played much of a factor into it, but I do think he's going to be itching to do a heck of a lot better here in Game 6 when he's going to be getting booed, similar to David Perron getting booed at Ball Arena. So it's fascinating, fascinating turn of events there for a few games for Nazem Kadri. I'm, I'm, I'm really intrigued by the story of, of his game in this series and how he turned it on in those two games on the road. Totally. And I mean, yeah, I don't think it was necessarily, but Kadri's not the reason they lost. The reason they lost, I mean, look, they scored four goals in regulation. And that, when you Mm -hmm. score four goals in regulation and the other team hasn't scored, what was it, 35 minutes into the game? You don't, you don't, you, you 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 could even take it a step further. If you score four goals in regulation and the other team has one past the 50 minute mark, 5 0, uh, you should win a game should win the game and it shouldn't even go to overtime and I think I mean look this is a game Kemper probably wants back 
um, some of the advanced stats bear that out. Like you look at like goal saves above expected. I think he was like negative 1.8 or something like that. Um, you look at, I mean, just general save percentage. And then you look at the, the film and it's not even that, I don't know if any of the goals were terrible goals, but there was, a, there were a lot of rebounds getting out. Yep. And sometimes even if none of the goals are like really egregious, you need your goalie to just make a save. And he wasn't able to do that. And it happens, but he's the one who I think is the biggest like X factor of like, if he's not going to be sharp, then the avalanche are going to need to play really well in front of him. Cause this blues team is opportunistic and will get, get chances. And they did for most of the game and they didn't at the end. So if your goalie is going to let in that many goals, you can't take your foot off the gas offensively. You cannot have seven shots in the second half of regulation. You cannot have 18 shots in the first period and then finish the game with only what 34. Like you can't do that. That's only 16 more shots the rest of the way. If my math is correct, like you, you can't have that happen. If your goalie is going to surrender four goals in regulation, that's, that's not a, that's not an option, but you actually transitioned it quite well for me because um, I did want to ask you about Darcy Kemper. So where are you with his game in game five, a culmination of the series in general, uh, your confidence level and what you think he can bring and, and what will happen here in, in the next couple games or maybe one game? Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's been very good this series, but I also don't think that like, I think making a goalie change would be awfully reactionary, especially oh, because yeah. Pavel Francis was, was pretty average against Nashville, um, maybe even slightly below average. I think Kemper, yeah, they're going to need more from him. And I think I mean, he knows that. Like, this is a, he, he knows how important the goalie position is. And he's bounced back well throughout the year um, when he's had games where he hasn't played well. So I would expect him to, to, to have, to play solid hockey the, the next two games. And, um, if the avalanche, again, it's all about this sounds, and this isn't discounting the blues by any means, cause it's a really good team, but the avalanche have a more talented roster and better players. And it just comes down to if they're going to play to that level, they're going to win. And if they don't, then the blues have a chance. And I think we, that game five, you kind of saw both ends of that spectrum where the abs were up big and their players were playing the way they're capable of. And then you saw the blues come all the way back because they stopped. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the best way to put it. I mean, at this point, look, you talked about blowing the series, blowing a three to one series lead and blowing it in game four or sorry, in game five. It's to me, it's not just the fact that you had a three to nothing lead and you gave it up. It's you had a three to nothing lead. And then Nathan McKinnon made it four to three. That was the one Nathan McKinnon made it four to three on I don't know about you, but the most incredible goal I've seen live in person. That was something. <laughs> he blew by given, everybody. Yeah. Given the stakes, I think it's... Yes, uh, yeah. I yeah. mean, some of the... Kale's had some of those goals this yeah. year that are just jaw-dropping, but the stakes of the McKinnon goal were pretty pretty unbelievable. For, for someone, um, and it, Go ahead. I was also going to just say, and it's... I mean, we also have to say, Lana Skog had a chance to maybe shoot at an open net and... and didn't end up doing it, which that's a tougher play than it looks like because Falk was getting over to pitch him against the boards. But I think kind of in retrospect, you're like, shoot the puck. If yeah. it's an icing, it's an icing. And yeah. then go win a faceoff. You know he was trying to get to the red line first. And those are the, uh, in hindsight, things that you can always look at in any hockey game ever. And and I know Landis Gog, he's going to sulk about it, like he said, for three minutes. And I 
know sure as damn hell he's thinking about that play because the the three or four seconds that he had it in the avalanche zone past the blue line almost up to the red line when he lost the puck and was pinched up against the boards by Falk. Um, that was the loudest ball arena was the entire night. There was about three yeah. seconds there where it was that deafening sound where your ears really started to hurt and you're like, holy crap. And then the puck was taken away and that kind of was washed away. But, um, and then I, they just couldn't get the puck out of the office. Yeah. There were, there were two spots to go back on the Darcy Kemper thing that you mentioned about. You need a save. There were two things for me. There was the blues storming the zone when it was three to two. And then there was even more importantly, the blues storming the zone when it was four to three. And that's kind of the big one for me was in that moment, you needed Darcy Kemper to lock it in and say, this is it. And, and <laughs> there was a couple chances the avalanche had there to clean it. I think it was Devo- to clear it. There was a play. I want to say it was Devon Taves behind the net and he shoots it and the buck puck bounces and it gets to the point. And then the defenseman holds it in kind of with his shin and with his stick right there at the blue line. So there was that one, obviously, before they entered the zone, Landeskog in the empty netter. There was a few chances there for the Avalanche to put the game away with an empty netter or with just clearing the puck out of the, out of the zone. But the Blues wouldn't let it happen. And, and you can go back and you can break down multiple plays in this game of why they lost. Or you can do what Gabe Landeskog said, sulk about it for three minutes, and then move on to the next one. It's it's this is This is what... This is what playoff hockey is. That was easily one of the most exciting games I've ever watched. Maybe it didn't have the result that Avalanche fans wanted, but in terms of the game, that was fun to watch. That was as exciting as can be. That's what you see in the NFL, uh, in the in the playoffs, in the NFL week after week, especially this past year, and you're like, holy crap, like every game matters. The stakes are high all the time. That's what we saw in game five at Ball Arena, and that's what I'm expecting in game six. Yeah. Yeah, it should be should be fun. I, I uh yeah, it is kind of a shame just that the I I wonder how and if that McKinnon goal will be remembered. Um because it was such an amazing goal. And if that was the goal that that sent the Avs to the game or to to the third round of the Western Conference finals, like get over the hump that's been building for twenty years, like that would have been something else. And now it's just it might end up just being a footnote. It might end up being a footnote. Regard, regardless, regardless of who wins the series. I think it's going to be remembered a lot more if they lose than if they win. Because, mm. of, because of the what could have been. So whatever happens yeah. in game six, um, we'll always remember that Nathan McKinnon goal. It'll always be on the highlight reels without knowing what game it was part of when there is you know, a reel of five or six beautiful goals that the Avalanche scored during their successful playoff run of 2022. It'll always be there, but you know, there's always that little idea that like, hey, this was part of the game they lost. But if they lose, that goal will be remembered a lot more because that's the one where Nathan McKinnon should have sent the avalanche to the third round. So it's really fascinating either way. Um, we're not here to say that they lost. We're just here to say they lost game five and, and we'll see what happens in six and seven. Last thing I want to ask you before we close this thing out for this uh the next morning edition of the post-game pod, uh, just given the circumstances of your flight, shout out you for having the energy to do this. But uh, what are your quick thoughts on that Oilers-Flame series? What are you expecting? I know they're playing game six tonight, the Oilers, or game five tonight. The Oilers have a three-to-one lead. What, do you, what, what are your thoughts? Is this going the way you expected? I wouldn't necessarily say it's going how I expected. I think I'm higher on the Oilers than a lot of people. Like I think the Oilers have a very legitimate chance to come out of the Western Conference Finals. Um, just because if they can get a solid 
performance from Mike Smith doesn't have to be great, but if they, if he could just be solid, then that's a scary hockey team. You look at what McDavid brings, you look at Evander Kane, what he's doing. Um, and I mean, what, how many goals does he have these playoffs? It's crazy. Oh, yeah. And then you, oh. yeah. And, and then you have dry slide, obviously like that forward group just has so many guys who can break open a game. Plus all these other guys like Yamamoto, Puli Arvey, who, even if they're not, Puli Arvey is like great at, even if he isn't always the best finisher, he's like, he's a really good player. And, and yeah, if they, if they can get enough from Mike Smith, that's a, that's a scary team. And so far they have gotten enough from Mike Smith and Calgary hasn't gotten enough from Jacob Markstrom, who is awesome all regular season. So it's definitely not what I expected, I guess, but it's not also maybe as shocking as maybe it is to some other people to me. Cause I, I think Edmonton has a real chance to make a run here. But I also don't think that series is over. Neither do I. Uh, the Calgary Flames, look, it's not an easy task to shut down Connor McDavid. I am not making light of this, but Connor McDavid is operating at more than a two-point-per-game pace. He's putting up ridiculous numbers, and what it's led to is the Edmonton Oilers beating the LA Kings in seven and having a three-to-one series lead over now the Calgary Flames. He's got 25 points in 11 games. Basically, what I'm getting at is you need Connor McDavid to play at that insanity of a level for you to be this good because there are some, I don't want to say passengers, but there are some holes on this roster otherwise. Like you said with Mike Smith, he just needs to be, you know, average, better than average. And it's ultimately what he has been. And it's kind of, you know, similar to what the Avalanche are going to need from Darcy Kemper to win the play, to, to win a Stanley Cup. So if you find a way... To, I don't know. Hold I me. would say I would say to win the Western Conference. I mean, I the, think the Western, way back yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the to win a Stanley, Stanley Cup, Cup, you're going to need more than you're going to need a little more. That that's that's the funny thing here is like for the Avalanche and the Oilers. If the Avalanche and the Oilers can close out the series, well, not only do they got to duke it out with each other. If you're if you're the Oilers, it's we got to go up against McKinnon and McCarr. And if you're the Avalanche, it's friggin' McDavid and Drysidel who have 13 and 11 points in four games respectively against the Calgary Flames. But then you win both of those and you're like, we're either taking on the Tampa Bay Lightning or we're taking on a team that's so red hot that they beat the Tampa Bay Lightning in either Carolina or the Rangers. So it doesn't get easier from here. Game five is just a small blip in the radar of what's going to be a lot more adversity coming toward either, you know, the Avalanche or even the Blues, depending on who comes out of the series. But basically what I'm getting at is if you're the Flames, it's not an easy task. But if you manage to somehow find a way to hold McDavid to, I don't know, maybe maybe three points over two games instead of five or six or seven points over two games, you could win this thing. But it's same exact thing as the Blues. And Markstrom needs to be better. That too. That too, 100%. Markstrom has not played good in this series. And that's perhaps the most fascinating part of it is when the Oilers had that three to nothing lead in game one. And you're like, given the way that Markstrom had to play against Jake Ottinger, just to give the, uh, the, the flames a chance. Uh, all he has to do is be Markstrom and they're going to win this game. And lo and behold, they won, but he surrendered six goals and it just kind of is unraveled since, but uh, it's a fascinating series. The more fascinating part of that is the team that's losing three to one is the team that has two home games. It's the higher seed. They're at home in game five and they're at home in game seven. If it gets there, um, the Blues, on the other hand, had to win at Ball Arena going back home for one game. And if they win that, they got to go back to Ball Arena to win game seven. So just fascinating games all around. But uh, 
let's let's call the episode what it is. Just want to remind everyone we are sponsored here at Hockey Mountain High by Total Beverage out in Thornton and Westminster. But uh, Peter Ball, any closing thoughts? I think we covered it all. Probably going to go take a nap. Yeah, go take that nap. Go uh, have fun there for games for game six. We'll see you back in Denver. It's pretty fascinating that 56 seconds were the difference between you probably enjoying the sunshine here in Denver and calling me in while I'm at Mile High Sports Studios from St. Louis. It's just a fascinating turn of events. Shout out you for living and embracing the grind. But I'll close out the podcast as we always do. If you made it this far in the podcast, bless your pretty little hearts. Let's make hockey for everyone, and we out ya.